have you ever met anyone from the YouTube team? Is there a team? Do they even exist? What do they look like? How many people do you need to legitimately call yourself a team? Welcome to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast. I'm Terry Joyce, and today we are going to explore the YouTube team. You know how they say, you know, they go, oh, well, you know, we've reviewed your appeal and the YouTube team has decided to, well, screw you. Why? Because we're the YouTube team, but thanks so much for being a part of YouTube from the YouTube team. How many members are on the YouTube team? Do you know anybody in your life who's on the YouTube team? I don't. I know a lot of people. I mean, I don't, I don't mean to brag, but I do know, I do know quite, I, you know, I, I have a lot of, I've worked in a lot of different types of jobs. I have a lot of Facebook friends. I have, uh, I've worked in the entertainment industry. I've worked in the alt media truth industry. I've been a radio show host for America Freedom Radio and Revolution Radio. And, uh, you know, been on a few sets, worked on a reality television show. And I still don't know anybody who is uh, part of the YouTube team. But... Apparently, they're working hard every day to censor and decide whether or not you are, you know, guilty of hate speech, whether you're cyberbullying people by what you're saying about them. Like, I'm hoping right now, like, I'm like, is it wrong to question the YouTube team? Is it wrong to question uh, the social media big tech people that uh, censor you or uh, monitor you or uh, are able to study everything that you say and do so they can have cookies find you and give you the right product that you might buy on their money-making platform. Also, I've been seeing a lot of new things coming forward uh, with uh, social media. Like, for example, I was on Instagram and they go, we've made our terms clear. (laughs) Click here for more information or click here if you have any questions. I'm like, okay, well, so you're telling me that you made your terms clear, but isn't it up to me to decide whether or not your terms are any clearer? (laughs) But you just told me right now that you made your terms clear. So obviously, I better take a look. Uh, at the fact that you're you're telling me that you've made your terms clear because I'm not really sure what your terms were in the first place, and I scanned through uh, the, I scanned through the, uh, the Instagram, the Instagram uh, terms that were obviously more clear because they told me that they were clear, and uh, you know they. Of course, they're hybrided with Facebook, so whatever Instagram clear terms are clear, you got to realize that that's also part of Facebook terms being clear because you know we do belong to Facebook. Facebook is with us, and by the way, Facebook, uh, Twitter, 
and YouTube all kind of cross-reference and check things in order to make a decision even on a person. And that was uh, a question, I think, uh, actually, when they were, when there was the hearing on the big tech companies for their censorship, that is one of the things that, that Mark Zuckerberg was asked. Are you guys correlating with Twitter and other social media platforms to determine whether or not to take action on a, on a, on a particular individual? And they, he had some sort of other explanation. Well, you know, we do coordinate when we're when there's a possible terrorist threat. Therefore, you know, if somebody's like, you know, seeming like they're a terrorist, we do take that into a consideration. But think about it. The word terrorist or, or, or assuming that someone might be involved with terrorist activity could even be applied to say like QAnon. Because QAnon is on the domestic terrorist list. So therefore, somebody who's doing a QAnon thing on Twitter, uh, Twitter can talk about that with Mark Zuckerberg over here. And it could just be an individual that got, and that's, you know, not particularly, a, you know, a leader of a terrorist group. <laughs> you, you get what I'm saying, right? Because Facebook just dumped a bunch of profiles of people that were associated or talked about QAnon or were involved in QAnon groups, just disabled them. A big Facebook purge. And if you've been listening to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast, you know, I've already talked about this. And, uh, and then, and then YouTube just purged uh, a bunch of, uh, a lot of people on YouTube got, there was a, a whole nother cut that happened by the YouTube team. The YouTube, the YouTube Facebook, no, no, the YouTube team has cut a lot of profiles and a lot of those profiles, uh, not profiles, I'm sorry, channels. <laughs> I'm getting all, okay. YouTube actually deleted a lot, just you know, a lot of channels that had. I mean, maybe I I know that perhaps some of the people that are listening to me here on Spotify or or you know, you don't know like who I'm talking about, but there were certain people that were on YouTube. For example, their names would be like Amazing Polly, who did research that oftentimes she refer referenced QAnon. She went in the cut. Jordan Sather, big QAnon cut. And the YouTube team is doing it. And Facebook is doing it. So, I don't know. I would say probably, most likely... It can be possible that they are correlating it together, that there is a, that they're doing it together. Now, okay, fine. They, they took out some QAnon, they took out some conspiracy theorists, right? And I, I say, I use that term widely, all right? But I, but that's what they think. That's what they're calling QAnon. Oh, well, we just, we just removed some, Q, some conspiracy theorists because they had some wacky theor uh, conspiracies and, and they're associated to Donald Trump and we can't stand Donald Trump. Like, it feels like all of the people that are in control of the major tech companies that are where people who, 
you know, where other people can have content. You can have another viewpoint of journalism, a viewpoint of, of research. All of the things that are online are being policed into being mandated into a mainstream narrative. And, and it feels like the narrative is slanting towards what people would say was the liberal left or the mainstream media left or the people that don't want uh, you know, Donald Trump into office. And I know that I'm talking in terms of the United States because actually this is, a, this is also a global situation. But let's just say, let's take it out of the right-left paradigm and just say that it's a very specific uh, school of thought and and uh and viewpoint now facebook has its third fate the the independent and they call them independent which i think is kind of interesting the independent the independent third party facebook fact checkers uh, now, if you go to my website, not my rabbit hole, the um, the not my rabbit hole dot com, I did a article on that. I did I researched who the third party Facebook fact checkers really were, and they uh, work under a grant by given by the Pointer Institute, uh, which uh, is is like a major like hub of media that's been around since the 70s and it's connected to i believe uh one of the big wigs at cbs so it's got like a correlation to the mainstream media and they are working with the who and the cdc they it, they their grants and everything and the people that they choose it all falls under that the official narrative of of anything to do with COVID nineteen information, if it doesn't if it if it doesn't correlate, like if you post something that the CDC has not against it, or or that is not in line with those that institution, those two institutions, then Facebook, you're you're in trouble. You're tr- you're basically in trouble everywhere. But on Facebook, yeah, you're. There was a lot of people getting COVID nineteen posts just automatically removed. That's that's one aspect of a standard that Facebook has, and these people work under a, a grant, and their facts aren't always correct. And in my article that I wrote in my blog, I I pointed that out. All right, so I just wanted to bring that up for you guys. I don't know if you know like how everything is is how they how they do judge you. And again, I've gone through, you know, I, I try to understand YouTube. YouTube came out with something new. YouTube came out with something. You know, you know what I'm talking about. If you're a YouTube content provider, you got the message where they talked about the new rules and the new updated terms for YouTube. They always throw that out like, well, everybody, we're going to change everything a little bit more. And there's something about face recognition, like you can't violate the privacy of a person by putting in face recognition. So what does that mean exactly? Like we can't show anybody's faces or like if we're if, if we talk about a celebrity and we use their face in the in the in, in what we're talking about or like where where is the line? Because I'm I'm kind of confused about that right now. Because look at how do you how do you even do videos now without I mean, we used to be able to, like, let's say Alex, uh, you know, Alec Baldwin 
is doing an Instagram, there's so many, you know, content providers. I've done it where you show the Instagram because it's already an Instagram anyways. It's not like it has a copyright, like it's their copyrighted YouTube video. It's an Instagram. There's not really copyright on stuff like that. That's why when you show celebrities on Instagram, there's no, there's really no penalty. But now are we... I guess because they're a celebrity, you can do that. So I'm, I'm, I'm assuming it's like a private individual. Then what about all those videos that people are taking just on the street that go viral? I mean, just think about the George Floyd video. Where was, was somebody not supposed to show that or upload that on YouTube because it identifies somebody's face or the officer's face? I mean, facial recognition. Well, isn't there... Like we don't, it, I I don't know. Do we even have to have our cell phone on for our 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 cell phone to be like recognizing our face? Fa our whole world is going to be facial recognition pretty soon. If it's if it isn't already, most people go, oh yeah, but we're already there, right? Here's our new terms of conditions. We made things clear. We did. You may not agree, but we did make things clear. See, we made it clear. Let's talk about, let's talk about revenge of the killer Silicon Valley geeks. Because that's kind of like what's really going down here, right? The, I mean, these are, think about, look, look, we all watch Social Network. We all know that uh, Zuckerberg, Mark Zuckerberg, is just a pouty little rich boy who didn't get to, you know, couldn't belong to any sororities and wanted to be part of the big boys club, right? Like he 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 cheated, like he cheated his friends around him, kind of screwed them over financially, pretty much, sorta was going to do something for a group of guys, but then blew them off and realized he would benefit if he did it for, for himself first. So he showed, like, a selfish character. And then at the very end of the movie, you know, he's sad and, you know, feeling bad because he's a millionaire, but he's screwed up, fucked over his friends, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. Nice going, Zuckerberg. I, but so if that's and by the way, uh, who's the um, actor that played him? You know, what I'm talking about Eisenhower, not Eisenhower, but um, oh, I'll have to look him up. I'll have to look at his, his name at the break when we get back. He I like that actor. It's too bad that even Mark Zuckerberg himself is even nowhere. No, doesn't even have the the compassion that that actor had or exhibit even within his selfish choices. I don't think Zuckerberg embodies that. <laughs> and I don't think, uh, Sean, uh, oh God, what's, what's the guy, the other guy, the Justin Timberlake character. Oh, I'll come back with their names. I'll come back with their names. We'll be right back with more. Not my rabbit hole, the podcast. Stay tuned. It was uh, Jesse Eisenberg played Mark Zuckerberg, and Sean Parker uh, was uh, played by uh, by Justin Timberlake. 
And he was the guy who uh, started Napster that was dating uh, college girls when he was just a wee bit too old. And, of course, you know, in the movie, there's that one scene where he was snorting cocaine. And then I think there was maybe somebody underage at that party and there was a big bust. And it was kind of like a little bit of a of, of a Facebook scandal. And, by the way, uh, Sean Parker is a person of interest. And I kind of, I just, I just pulled up his... Um, his profile here because Sean Parker actually played a role in uh, legalization for cannabis in California for recreational use. He actually got involved in that aspect of the California pro um, politics. But I want to read a little bit about Sean Parker just just because we're talking about the uh, the killer the revenge of the killer uh, the revenge of the killer Silicon Valley geeks because. These really think about it. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg, geek. Okay. Uh, Bill Gates, big geek. All right. Sean Parker, probably a geek, but probably a cute geek. I don't know. Sean, <laughs> Sean Parker, uh, well, I'm looking at his face right now. He's, 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 he's a lot better looking than, uh, Mark Zuckerberg is. I'm, I hate to be, I hope, I hope I don't get like disabled from Facebook for saying that. But all right. So Sean Parker. Sean Parker was born December 23rd, 1979, as an American entrepreneur and philanthropist, most notable for co-founding the file-sharing computer service Napster and served as the first president of the social networking website Facebook. He also co-founded Platzco, Causes, Airtime.com, and Brigade, an online platform for civic engagement. He is the founder and chairman of the Parker Foundation, which focuses on life sciences, global public health, and civic enga engagement. So Mr. Cocaine, snorting cocaine, and having maybe an underage girl in the movie has, is a big, he's, he's involved in your global public health. How do you guys feel about that? Does that make you feel good? Okay. On the Forbes 2016 list of the world's billionaires, he was ranked number 722 with a net worth of $2.4 billion. Okay, so his early life, Parker was born in Herndon, Virginia, to Diane Parker. Oh, Diane Parker, a TV advertising broker, and Bruce Parker, a U.S. government oceanographer and chief scientist at NOAA. When Parker was seven, his father taught him how to program on an Atari 800. Parker's family, who put his family before his entrepreneurial dreams, told Parker, if you're going to take risks, take them early before you have a family. As a teenager, Parker's hobby was were hacking and programming. One night while hacking into the network of Fortune 500 company, Parker was unable to log out after his father confiscated the computer keyboard. Because his IP address was exposed, FBI agents tracked down the 16-year-old. Since Parker was under 18, he was sentenced to community service. Parker attended Oakton High School in Fairfax County, Virginia for two years before transferring to Chantilly High School in 1996 for his junior and senior years. While there, Parker wrote a letter to the school administration and persuaded them to count the time he spent coding in the computer lab as a foreign language class. <laughs> As a result, towards the end, uh, end of Parker's senior year of Chantelli, he was mostly writing code and starting companies. He graduated in 1998. While still in high school, he, he entered to Mark Pincus. Okay, so 
Napster. No, wait. There's something I want to... Hold on. C-O-Zinga. Here we go. Oh, I got to read this part. You got to hear this part. Okay, like, so let's go. While still in high school, he inter interned for Mark Pincus, the CEO of Zynga at Pincus, Washington, D.C. startup Freeloader. He won the Virginia State Computer Science Fair for developing a web crawler and, and was recruited by the CIA. Just, just let me read that to you again. Sean Parker, who helped start Facebook, who was snorting cocaine in the movie, played by Justin Timberlake, who I think might have been fooling around with the, someone who wasn't quite 18 years old yet, was, he won the Virginia State Computer Science Fair for developing a web crawler and was recruited by the CIA. By his senior year of high school, Parker was earning more than 80000 a year through various projects, enough to convince his parents to allow him to skip college and pursue a career as an entrepreneur. As a child, Parker was an avid reader. He's probably smart as hell. Talk about a geek. Talk about a geek that, you know, that's a little bit sort of sexy if you're into, you know. I mean, he's not bad looking. I'd do him. <laughs> I'm just, I know I sound awful. <laughs> I'm too, probably too old for him. I'm too old for Mr. Parker. Suspicion of drugs. Okay, see, here we go. Here we go. During a party in 2005, police entered and searched a vacation home Parker was renting and found cocaine. Parker was arrested on suspicion of drug possession, but was not charged. Of course he's not. <laughs> of course he's not. He's working for the CIA. <laughs> They're already involved. All right. Stop. Stop me. All right. Oops. Uh, that's a joke. All right. I'm joking. But then again, uh, if you do watch the movie, Don't Kill the Messenger, there is some truth to what I'm joking about. This event caused Facebook investors to pressure Parker into resigning as company president. Even after stepping down, Parker continued to remain involved with Facebook's growth and met regularly with Zuckerberg. The event was later dramatized in the movie Social Network. So they don't, they're not mentioning the underage girl. Not, well, at least not here. Not, not, not on Wikipedia. In 2017, during an interview with Axlos, Parker expressed concerns about the role of Facebook in society, saying that it exploits a vulnerability in human psychology. <laughs> Why don't you let me, like, code some stuff instead of learning a foreign language? All right. <laughs> In 2017, during an interview with Axios, Parker expressed concerns about the role of Facebook in society, saying it ex it exploits a vulnerability in human psychology at psychology as it creates a social validation feedback loop. Parker stated that he was something of a conscientious objector to using social media. Oh, I see what he's saying. Yeah. Yeah, it's the like system. How many likes did I get? That's the feedback. Ooh, did I get a like, a like, or, or you know, did, did somebody, did I piss somebody off? Because, like, really, social media can be a, a, a torture. It can be a nightmare. Social media can be an absolute... I've had very unplanned... I have had 
some very unpleasant experiences with social media. Uh, I am a person that has been cyberbullied on all of my social media. By the way, I just even had one of my YouTube videos hacked and re and replaced with a deleted face uh, Facebook live stream. Uh, not Facebook live stream. Deleted uh, YouTube live stream. Yeah. Totally hacked and replaced with something else. So, if Mr. Sean Parker was able to hack the Fortune 500, somebody can do, can do hack jobs like that on YouTube. I don't even know who to report it to, by the way. Because I... Would the YouTube team do something about that? Like, where's the YouTube... Where is the YouTube team when you need to talk to them about your video being hacked by another person with a YouTube channel, obviously... They literally hacked an uploaded video and replaced it with my deleted live YouTube live stream that I deleted, but they got it before I deleted it. All right. And then they took that and they put that and it, where do I go? Where's the YouTube team? I, I would really, you know what? I would, I would really hope, I wish that I knew somebody from the YouTube team that I could say, Hey, you're part of the YouTube team. Can you tell your other team members about my video being hacked? I don't know. It's it's like it's like the adjustment bureau. <laughs> the YouTube team, the adjustment bureau. We're the YouTube team. What is a YouTube What does a YouTube team member look like? Obviously, they're not like Sean Parker, because but they're still part of the team. Yeah, maybe you don't work for the CIA, but you're still part of the YouTube team. <laughs> CIA's still around us somewhere, I think. So let's talk about revenge. Let's talk about revenge of the killer... Silicon Valley ganks. Because, you know, look, Zuckerberg, man, he didn't fit into the club. But he wanted to be in the club really bad. Wanted to be in the club real bad. And now he's now he's got Facebook. It, it, it may be behind, beyond his control, really, about how things are being censored. Maybe there's things that we don't know about Zuckerberg. Maybe he doesn't have the power that he even has over Facebook anymore. You know, some people are saying that that uh, the Facebook and all the social media was, was actually really created by intelligence. That they had it all this time and that the whole story was like made up. There's a conspiracy theory about the reality of how Facebook and the whole social media was was construct constructed. I mean, like, like, don't tell me that Bill Gates didn't get his ass kicked in school. Or, you know what, maybe Bill Gates didn't get his ass kicked in school because daddy knew he couldn't cope, so they sent him to the rich school, and the rich kids didn't do it. I mean, I'm not really sure, but I, I, think, if, I think if a Bill Gates actually went to public school, he'd probably have his face, like, dragged in the mud forever. Oh, but I probably sound like a bully right now, right? I mean, like, oh, there be a bully, like, we might have, 
you know, be careful because the YouTube team might not, you, you're not supposed, you're targeting, you're targeting, uh, you know, uh, Bill Gates. Okay, so let's, let's, let's go into the, to the real definition of what hate speech is, because really, I think some of these people that are like judging everything like that, like that, like the speech police or the information police or whatever. And then, you know, that they don't even know uh, what, what the, what the con, the concept of, of, of it really is. So let me, let me break it down to you. What really constitutes hate speech and, and and how it applies to free speech or is it allowed or whatever going on in America okay but but remember before i go into this i just want to remind you that when what was it the was it the new york times the new york post when the new york post came out with the hunter biden dump you know the his his crack cocaine pictures and everything and and the uh conversations of the possibility that joe biden was part of all those deals that it wasn't it wasn't really as separate as that we as 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 they say it is now i'm not saying it is i'm not saying it is but when that came out well, guess who stepped in to stop that information for being able to be passed on? Because they had to make sure that the independent third-party fact-checkers had to make sure that, that was right before anybody could even share that information on Facebook in, Facebook in fear that it might affect the elections. And so when does giant tech companies... Obviously, if Jack Dorsey's doing it from Twitter, and then you have Mark Zuckerberg doing it from Facebook, oh, but they're not really coordinating because they only coordinate and make judgments on things when it comes to terrorists. But now they actually decide to censor the mainstream press on their own social media platforms. And also, I'm just going to say this right now, whether you not you like President Trump or you like his tweets or not, it's pretty outrageous that a tech company can decide to like dump or 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 take off people's t- t- tweets or penalize the press secretary or anything like this because that's the revenge of these tech companies. This is the revenge of the killer Silicon you know, Valley geeks that now these boys, they, maybe, maybe they did get picked on or maybe they couldn't go to the big boys club or whatever, but now they certainly are playing king, aren't they? Right? Okay, so let's just go into a little bit of hate speech here and let's figure out what it is exactly. Hate speech is defined by the Cambridge Dictionary as public speech that expresses hate or encourages violence towards a person or group based on something such as race, religion, sex, or sexual orientation. Hate speech is usually thought to include communications of animosity or dis disparagement of an individual or group or account of group characteristics such as race, color, national origin, sex, disability, religion, or sexual orientation. There has been much debate over freedom of speech, hate speech, and hate speech legislation. The laws of some countries describe hate speech as speech, gestures, conduct, writing, or displays that incite violence or prejudicial actions against a group or individuals on the basis of their membership in the group on which which disparage or intimidate a group or individuals on the basis of their membership in the group. So I just want to say that I just really love the Facebook team. I mean, the YouTube team. Because <laughs> they are a group, right? I want to be disparaging to them. 
To love me, identify a group based on certain characteristics in some countries. Hate speech is not a legal term. Additionally, in some countries, including the United States, much of what falls under the category of hate speech is constitutionally protected. In other countries, a victim of hate speech may seek redress under civil laws, criminal law, or both. A majority of developed democracies have laws that restrict hate speech, including Australia, Denmark, France, Germany, India, South Africa, Sweden, New Zealand, and the United Kingdom. The United States does not have hate speech laws since the U.S. Supreme Court has repeatedly ruled that laws criminalizing hate speech violate the guarantee to freedom of speech contained in the First Amendment and the U.S. Constitution. Laws against hate speech can be divided into two types, those intended to preserve public order and those intended to, intended to protect human dignity. The laws designed to protect public order require that a higher threshold be violated so they are not often enforced. For example, in Northern Ireland, as of 1992, only one person has been pr prosecuted for violating the regulation in 21 years. The laws meant to protect human dignity have a much lower threshold for violation. So those in blah, 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 blah. Okay. Now, internet. On May 31st, 2016, Facebook, Google, Microsoft, and Twitter jointly agreed to a European Union code of contact, conduct obligating term to review the majority of valid notifications for removal of illegal hate speech posted on their services within 24 hours. Prior to this, so they're not following the, now mind you, they're not following the United States code. They are following the European Union code. All right. Prior to this, in 2013, Facebook, with pressure for, from over 100 advocacy groups, including the Everyday Sexism Project, agreed to change their hate speech policies after data released regarding content that promoted domestic and sexual violence against women led to the withdrawal of advertising by 15 large companies. Several activists and scholars have criticized the practice of limiting hate speech. Civil liberties activist Nadine Strassman Strassen says that while efforts to censor hate speech ha have the goal of protecting the most vulnerable, they are ineffective and may have the opposite effect. Disadvantaged and eth ethnic minorities have been... Well, let me go back to this. Several activists and scholars have criticized the practice of limiting hate speech. Civil liberties activist Nadine Strassman says that while efforts to censor hate speech have the goal of protecting the most vulnerable, they are ineffective and may have the opposite effect. Disadvantaged and ethnic minorities being charged with violating laws against hate speech. And then it, it, it goes on the very bottom. It says, research indicates that when people support censoring hate speech, speech, they are motivated by concerns about the effects the speech has on others than they are about the effects on themselves. All right. So that's just kind of, I just wanted to read that. 
I'm not saying that I advocate hate speech. Uh, I think that really we need to be mindful of our words. But I think that the big tech companies are doing a little more than just censoring people for hate speech. And if they want to, the YouTube team, by their own volition, whether it's hate speech or not, can decide that it's hate speech, even if in fact... You're not really engaging in hate speech, but it's actually hate speech or targeting or whatever determined by the European Union. Or maybe the people who are congregating to be your judge and jury, maybe they're not the right judge and jury. Like, like who's actually determining what and why? And, uh, and, and so there's a huge censorship going on. And, they, and people can't share other thoughts or question things around them. Uh, right now, I'm on Facebook. I'm not, even, I'm not even going there. I don't belong to any groups. I, I've got my new Facebook page. I don't, I, don't, I don't belong to any groups. I'm afraid to be in any groups. I don't, I'm afraid to be a part of any groups. I do a lot of selfies now. I see a few things, but I say them very mildly. Because I know, I know I'm being, I know we're being watched. And in, in any moment, we can be taken off these social media networks and be put in, you know, banished to the digital desert. And then how are we going to make a living? How are we going to stay in contact with our loved ones when we're actually in lockdown, needing to find some sort of contact with each other, trying to keep our heads above water, to face what's happening. And we can't hug each other anymore. We can't touch each other anymore. We're all being locked down. And then to be to be at risk to say something to where that like these giant tech I don't know, revenge of the of the Silicon Valley geeks, perhaps, on our communication and our ability to speak speak freely and share information with one another without having the axe come down and the third-party Facebook fact-checkers and the YouTube team. And we've made, we've made everything clearer for you. Get it? All right. Thank you so much for listening to my broadcast. God bless everybody, even Sean Parker and Mark Zuckerberg and everybody else on the planet even if I'm talking about you or questioning about your methods or making fun of you or saying that, you know, you didn't have the compassion that the, you're not as sexy as the actors or did you, or, or you do not seem to exhibit the compassion that the actors that played you do. <laughs> Forgive me for that. Merry Christmas, Mark Zuckerberg. And please, please let us keep speaking. Have some heart. Okay, whatever. I'm not going to beg. Good night, everybody. Good day. <laughs> and God bless. I'm Terry Joyce, and you've been listening to Not My Rabbit Hole, the podcast. Mm-hmm.